what's up? Anybody, anybody that may be listening to this, this is Unranked with Logan Kelleher, and that is my name. I am the host of this great show. So my voice is what you'll be listening to for the next uh, 40 or so minutes. We'll see. I am trying to figure out the best way to do this. I've been um, been home for about 30 minutes, and I've been trying to set up the best way to do this. And I finally figured it out, and so I hope... I hope that you can hear it. I hope that you are, I don't know. I'm just, this is a, this is a first for me doing this whole audio recording thing. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, what's up? How are you doing? You can't answer that obviously, but I hope you're doing well. I hope your day is going great. I don't know when this is going to be up, but for me, this is a Monday, Monday around noon. Uh, it's 11.48 right now. Not that that matters to you. But it's been raining all day. It's been a rainy day in Ohio. That's where I live. And I don't know, I had, to, I had to walk outside today. And it wasn't that pleasant. Walked in the rain and I got all wet. I was late. I had a I had a college class today and I was late to that because I for some reason overslept. My class wasn't until 9:30 and somehow somehow I overslept. I couldn't wake up before 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. whenever I woke up, 8:30, some sometime around there. And so I don't know, it's just uh it's been a weird day definitely. Been trying to trying to just go through it the best I could. The class wasn't too bad. It was a history class and that's what my major is. So it was pretty interesting. Learned about the American revolution today, got a study guide, have an exam on Wednesday that I should be studying for. I have another exam in another class I should be studying for too, but instead I'm recording this podcast and I should tell you a little bit about me. I'm, I'm a younger, younger guy. I am in, I'm taking college classes, trying to better my future. Cause that's what they say. That's what all, my, all the parents are telling me. All the, all the adults, they're saying, go to college. It'll be good for you. Get your degree, which is true. It is true that you need a degree to, to do a lot of things. Oh, I just bumped the table that probably had some effect on the sound. Anyway, they say go to college. And it'll help you out. And I, I totally believe it. I'm, I'm not going to fight that that's not true or that is true. It is beneficial to have a degree. There, there are jobs. There are the trades that you don't need a degree for. You just need a certificate or maybe not even a certificate. And you can make a significant amount of money. But that's why I'm going to college because what I want to do, you need college for. So... So I'm going to college and then I'm working. So right now I'm recording in between my class in the morning and my job in the afternoon. So kind of, kind of rushed, kind of, kind of trying to get this done, but still trying to have it be high quality. 
So, so that was a little bit about me. I don't know if you really care. You're, you're probably listening to this because you saw the topic or you saw the title, you saw the description, talked about college football, and that's what you want to listen to. You want to listen to something regarding college football, which I'm going to get into that. Definitely, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to start talking about that at some point. I just figured I'd use the first couple minutes of the podcast to talk about myself. And so let's talk about what I want out of this podcast. What I want out of this podcast is to be able to talk to people who want to listen to me because that's a problem I have in my life right now. I like to talk about college football, but nobody I know really likes to listen to it. I talked to my parents about it <laughs> and they kind of just shake their head or they just they just stay in the mindset of what they're doing at that moment. They don't really listen to me. They kind of just nod and say, yeah, yeah, Logan. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. And so I just, I mean, I like this stuff. I like looking at the stats. I like recording them and, and, you know, just having that knowledge. And so this is the best way to get it out because, you know, there could be nobody listening to this or there could be a hundred people listening to this. And to me, that means a lot because that means somebody's interested in what I have to say. And so this is going to be a very analytical podcast. It's going to be opinionated too. And as you can tell, I'm not, I don't have a degree yet. I don't have, I'm not a journalist. I'm not an analyst for college football on ESPN. I just want to get my opinion out on college football because it's a, it's a sport I love. I love watching it. And as I said, I like to record the stats and I like to talk about it. So that's, that's why I'm doing this. And you can, if you're a listener, you can disagree with what I say, or you can agree with what I say. That's a beauty. That's a beauty of this great country we live in. There's this thing called freedom and that thing called freedom. There's a specific, um, it, uh, disperses into freedom of speech. Sorry. Sorry, I'm trying to piece together my thought. There's a freedom of speech that allows you to have your own opinion and others to have their own opinion. And that just creates a little bit of friction, tension, whatever you may want to call it, that is okay. That friction is okay. Anyway, kind of rambling. And that's another reason why I want to do a podcast because I ramble a lot. And when you're listening to a podcast, it is just somebody talking. So... It's okay to ramble a little bit. There's a few things I want to get into, and I think I'll get into them now. Uh, this is mainly just highlighting week four. Week four of college football was definitely a good one. There were some upsets. If anybody was watching this weekend, if anybody paid attention at all to college football, which if you're listening to this, you probably did, you know Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech. 49 to 35. And that was definitely the biggest upset in a while. If you were watching ESPN, watched all the post-game stuff, you'd know that they had a 1.8% chance to win that game. And they pulled it off somehow. They It really helped having their quarterback throw for almost 500 yards. Whenever you throw for almost 500 yards, it's usually an indicator of you're probably going to win the game. Because if you think about it, if you throw for 495 passing yards, that's a whole length of the field nearly five times. 
and a drive for the most part always starts at the 25. So if you break that down even further, 75 yards goes into 500 yards roughly six times, six times, almost seven times. So that's six or seven drives of yardage through the air. So that that is going to ultimately result in six or seven touchdowns. And when you get six or seven touchdowns, as long as your defense does something, you're going to win the game. And that's what that's what Old Dominion ultimately did. And I was surprised at that because I thought I thought Virginia Tech was going to be a pretty good team this year. They had Josh Jackson returning, who was a good quarterback last year for them. And they have they had the necessary pieces to win a lot of games this year. So I thought. But Old Dominion proved me wrong, proved a lot of people wrong. I looked at I looked at the odds before the before the week started, specifically the teams that hadn't won a game yet, because that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. I like the weird stats you can pull from from all the websites that offer stats. Like I use CBS Sports a lot; that's my favorite app to use. And so I pulled the stats from there, and I looked at the the line on the game, and Old Dominion were twenty seven point five point underdogs. They so that means they had almost no chance of winning this game, and they they pulled it off. I don't know really how they did it. They uh, first quarter it was obviously even for Virginia Tech. They had a eighty seven yard rushing touchdown by um, Peoples, who whoever that may be. Sorry. Yeah, Stephen Peoples, their running back, had an 87-yard run for the first touchdown of the game. And that was followed by Blake LaRusse's first touchdown of the game. And so it's 7-7 seven to at the end of the first quarter. And then we go into the second quarter, then Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, each score a touchdown. So it's very, very even. And then the third quarter, Virginia Tech scores twice. One on another touchdown by Stephen Peoples. He he ultimately had 156 rushing yards on two on 20 carries, two touchdowns, and then the the latter touchdown of the third quarter for Virginia Tech was a touchdown pass from Josh Jackson. He, yeah, that was another long one. It was a 72 yard score, so they had a 72 yard score and an 87 yard score within the within the first three quarters of the game, and then. There was also Blake LaRusse uh, ran for a touchdown. So third quarter, he'd thrown for two, ran for one. On the other side, Josh Jackson threw for two touchdowns, and Stephen Peoples ran for two touchdowns. So it was 28-21 to 21 going into the fourth quarter. And this is when – I don't know if Virginia Tech was just tired because I didn't watch this game. So, again, this is my opinion. I'm not an, an analyst for ESPN or anything. But to me, it's almost like Virginia Tech just what didn't have good conditioning going into this game. And that was evident because Old Dominion scored 28 points in that fourth quarter. They outscored Virginia Tech 28 to 7. This included two touchdown passes from Blake LaRussa, uh, and then two touchdown runs for Jeremy Cox, Old Dominion's running back. 
who Jeremy Cox also, you look at Blake LaRusso's 495 passing yards and you think, okay, well, they probably only had a passing game in this game. But Jeremy Cox ran 20 times like Stephen Peoples did for Virginia Tech, but he had 130 yards, so a little less yardage than Stephen Peoples. But that's good for a team to be able to have that balance. I mean, in college football, you got to look at teams like Army, Navy, Air Force, Georgia Tech. They're running for upwards of 300 yards per game. So this really this really doesn't show like a, a true balance because a true balance would be like 250 yards through the air, 250 on the ground. But Old Dominion was not only able to throw through the air, but they were able to get some get some yardage on the ground as well. And Virginia Tech did that as well with Stephen Peoples getting 156 yards. Deshaun McLeese, another running back, had 75 yards. And then Josh Jackson, the quarterback, had 58. And he actually left the game. And that was that probably had some effect on on the outcome of the game. And Ryan Willis was the backup who who came in for Josh Jackson and he had an all right game. But ultimately it was Old Dominion who was able to somehow outlast Virginia Tech and pull off a major upset. It was the biggest upset in 10 years in college football. The only thing I can remember being that close was Appalachian State beating Michigan in 2006 or 2007. I don't know the exact year that was, but that one was crazy too. I've seen highlights. I didn't watch that game, but I've seen highlights of it. And so, yeah, that would be be by far the biggest storyline of the week. There were... And then there were some other, there were some top 25 games that I'd like to get into. These were Texas A&M and Alabama. And this is where people may disagree with me, but where I come from, <laughs> I, I just don't like that Alabama keeps winning. And that's what some other people may feel. And that's what other people may be Alabama fans and they're, they're just thinking, hey, that's cool. We're just going to keep on winning. But I was really rooting for Texas and Texas A&M in this game. They were they're ranked 22nd. Alabama was ranked first. And I thought I thought Kellen Mond could could pull it off. He to me, again, just looking at the stats, I thought he'd be able to he'd be the quarterback that could really be the first true con- contender to beat Alabama. Because Alabama before this had no contention at all, they beat Louisville fifty-one to fourteen. They beat Arkansas State fifty-seven to seven, and then they beat Ole Miss sixty-two to seven. So they they had been putting up fifty points a game for the first three games. Only allowing fourteen points was the maximum a team put up on them. And then Texas A&M was able to put up twenty-three, but Alabama again put up forty-five. So they're they're really scoring in the bunches, and this was. I, I noticed after this game, a lot of people put Tua Tagovailoa in the the first place spot to win the Heisman, which he he did have a good game. Uh, 22 of 30 for 387 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown. 
And okay, that's that's a good game because 22 of 30, only eight incompletions, no turnovers, really controlled the game. And that's that's something that was the reason for the balance of Tua and then Jalen Hurts was that Jalen Hurts was the better game manager, but Tua was he was a better he was a younger but almost equal or greater than the skill level of Jalen Hurts. So that was why there was a hesitant hesitation to name the starter was because Jalen Hurts was the better game manager, but he didn't put up the numbers that Tua did. So ultimately that performance I think was the benefactor of why Alabama won this game because they didn't, they didn't run for a lot of yardage. They had, they had uh, 52 from Damian Harris. They had 43 from Najee Harris. And then uh, Josh Jacobs was the other rushing touchdown they had in the game. He had scored a touchdown, but he only had 11 yards. Tago Velo had 10 and Hertz didn't even run for positive yards. He ran for negative seven in the game. So Texas A&M was able to stop the defense for the most part. They were, or the offense, sorry. They were able to stop the offense for some part, but it was Tua's ability to throw through the air that ultimately won them the game. And Kellen Mond was able to run for 98 yards on him, which when I saw that number, I was kind of surprised because Alabama, Alabama's defense is known to stop lethal running attacks. Usually if there's a good running back or a good running quarterback, they're not really going to put up that good of numbers against Alabama just because Alabama is so good at stopping the run. So you have to hurt him through the air, but that's also the aspect. Kellen Mond, 16 of 33. So less than 50% completion percentage, one touchdown, two interceptions. He did have a rushing or uh, yeah, rushing touchdown, Uh, 54, 54 yard rush was not his touchdown. It was, it was not his touchdown. He had a 54 yard run though in the game. Sorry, I'm just looking at the stats and I saw that. It was Yeah, Alabama, they they were up 31 to 13 at half and then they were up 45 to 16 at the end of the third quarter. So they they really they really again dominated their opponent and Texas A&M Texas A&M scored in the fourth quarter, but it was just a touchdown. It was, uh, as they say, too little, too late. And so that'll be that'll be interesting, seeing how seeing how other teams can combat Alabama. They they tr- they play uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette next week. They play at home. That's going to be another probably 60 some to seven game. And then they play at Arkansas. They play against Missouri at home. They play at Tennessee. And then the really next significant game is against LSU in Louisiana. And then they play Mississippi state. They have their out of place game against the Citadel. And then they play at home against Auburn this year. So Alabama really, they, they can really just rattle off wins until LSU because Missouri, and I'll get into that game next, but Missouri is would be a little bit of a little bit of a contender 
I'm using that word a lot. I'm trying to find another word, but that's that's a place filler for now. <laughs> and because Missouri played decently against Georgia today, but they they again couldn't pull it off. They didn't have enough in their tank to mount the upset. They never really got close in the game. And so we'll just see who the first team to be Alabama can be or if there is, even is a team that can beat Alabama. And then on the other side for Texas A&M, they immediately play at Arkansas and then they play against Kentucky, who Kentucky is an interesting team that I would like to talk about too. And I'll get to that. So the next game I'll get to, and I'll get to that right now. Georgia against Missouri. That was another game that I was watching. I was kind of hoping that Missouri could win because I'm all for the underdogs. That's why this podcast is called Unranked because I'm really going to be highlighting the unranked teams. I'm going to be biased towards them a little bit, maybe not too biased, but I'm going to be, and you'll, you'll be able to hear it and you heard it there, me rooting for Missouri in that game. But that game was a showing of there was a lot of lot of grit in that game. I, I was actually watching that game. I I did actually tune in for that. And it was wasn't wasn't that close. There was just a lot of miscues from Missouri. I had they had some fumbles, I had some interceptions. They had a. They actually had a blocked, blocked uh, punt that was returned for a touchdown. And at halftime, it was twenty to seven in favor of Georgia. And then in the third quarter, Missouri kind of came back a little bit. They they uh, scored a pair of touchdowns. Um. And then, but but Georgia was able to score a pair as well. And so it was 33 to 20 at the end of the third quarter. And then Georgia just continued to pull away in the game. And and sorry. Uh, sorry for that break. Um, Georgia... I was talking about Georgia and Missouri. They were both undefeated going into this game. They were 3-0. And Georgia Georgia wasn't or Missouri wasn't able to ultimately take control of the game and win the game. Uh, Drew Locke, no touchdowns and interception, but they had four different people rush for touchdowns. They had Demaria Crockett run for a touchdown. They had Tyler Beatty run for a touchdown and Larry Roundtree run for a touchdown. Those are their three running backs. And then Drew Locke, the quarterback, also ran for a touchdown. So they had some balance on the ground, but they couldn't get anything anything through the air. And on the opposite side, Jake Fromm, uh, 260 through the air, three touchdowns, had one interception, but it was ultimately enough for them to win the game because their defense really stepped up and was able to keep them going in the game, keep them winning. It really was an ugly game. Georgia didn't play 
as well as they could have. I thought, I thought they probably, if they would have been able to stop Missouri a little bit more, I mean, they stopped and they had good defensive stops. Missouri really wasn't able to just do a whole lot in this game. And that was, that was why, that was why Georgia was able to pull it off. And so then I guess just going down the list again, I'm not going to highlight it too much, but Clemson beat Georgia Tech 49 to 21. And then Ohio State, a team from where I'm from, they, they beat Tulane 49 to six. They took care of Tulane. They only, they only scored seven points after halftime, but they still took care of business. Dwayne Haskins, five touchdowns, who I think is a serious contender for the Heisman. I think he's definitely in that race with Tua Tagovailoa and Will Greer, quarterback West Virginia. I think they're all in it together. There's a few other names that are in it, but ultimately I think it will go down to Dwayne Haskins or Tua at the end of the season because Ohio State has shown that they – can cruise through these victories. They put up 77 against Oregon State. They beat TCU. It was a close game for the most part. They were down, but they ultimately came back, which I want to get into the TCU-Texas game because that has an impact on Ohio State's uh, college football playoff odds. Going down the list to number five, Oklahoma, nearly losing to Army. The two teams went into overtime because of a missed field goal in the fourth quarter as time was expiring. I think there was a little bit of time left in the game, but they missed a field goal that could have won the game. And then they, in overtime, they they got a touchdown and they intercepted a Kelvin Hopkins pass, who's the Armors quarterback, and they were able to seal the victory. In that game, it was Kyler Murray, not a whole lot of yardage through the air, 165 yards, but three touchdowns, had one interception. And then he also ran for 71 yards and a touchdown. And then Trey Sermon, their running back, had 119 yards. And then on Army's side, they they did what they do best. They just run the ball. And one of the one of the highlights of this game was that Army was just able to completely take control of the time of possession and keep the ball in their hands and keep it out of Oklahoma's um, uh, high-powered offense. And I should should note this. There have been some pauses in this and some slow, slow talking points, and I totally apologize for that. This is my first episode, and I kind of want it to be raw and organic. I want you guys to really know that I'm just talking to talk and that I'm really – taking out my own points and my own thoughts on this and they'll get better. I hope you, I hope you will see that and you'll keep listening. And over time, I hope you notice some, some change in the quality of these episodes. So back to the, the game, uh, the takeaways of this game, they, the black Knights improved significantly, significantly from their first three games and should be confident against any team on their schedule. I mean, any team would benefit from that. A team like Army, who isn't in playoff contention, just took the number five team in the nation to the brink, to the edge of losing. Um, 
their ex- their offensive execution was nearly flawless, and their defense did just enough to keep them in the game. That's a that's a direct quote from CBS Sports, the re- recap of the game. And then for Oklahoma, it was just Army was on the field for too long, and then but they also benefit from not seeing another option attack for the rest of the season. And <clears throat> so Oklahoma, they they did enough, but they dropped. They switched places with LSU because LSU had a significant win against Louisiana Tech and Oklahoma, as just mentioned, struggled against Army. And so in that LSU game, they LSU benefited from their ground attack, five touchdowns between Nick Brosette and then their other running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The two of them ran for a combined 200 yards and five touchdowns. Joe Burrow. The former Ohio State quarterback uh, transferred to LSU, and he was a good game manager this game, 191 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But when you have two running backs, each run for two touchdowns at least, the, the one run for three, it usually means you have some some hope of winning. And they took care of business. Uh, Jamar Smith for Louisiana Tech, 330 through the air, three touchdowns and an interception but no running back ran for more than 31 yards. And that that was just LSU's defense being LSU's defense. They're an SEC team, so they're going to have a good defense. And Louisiana Tech saw that, and they couldn't really do anything to top that or really get anything. It was a close game. Louisiana Tech did mount a comeback at the beginning, but LSU regained their composure and pulled away because at the start of the fourth quarter, Louisiana Tech's Louisiana Tech got a quick touchdown and made it 24 to 21. So they were only down by three, but LSU was able to take control of the game, drive down the field, uh, run for two touchdowns, Nick Brosette and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire each ran for a touchdown in the fourth quarter and they pulled away 138 to 21. And then one of the one of the biggest games of the day, Stanford and Oregon. This was this was a good game. I watched the end of it and <clears throat> it was Oregon from the get-go. They they were up 24 to 7 at the half. They they had controlled the game. Stanford wasn't doing a whole lot to stay in it, but then the third quarter was when Stanford came back. They it was really <clears throat> a fumble recovery that switched the switched the uh what what's that? What's that word? Sorry. There's a word. Switch the momentum. Sorry. Switch the momentum of the game made it 14 to 24 and then Bryce Love had a 22 yard score that made it 21 to 24. Uh, Oregon in the fourth quarter got one more touchdown but Costello drove down the field threw a touchdown pass made it 28 to 31 and then with 5 seconds left Toner made a 32 yard field goal tying the game and sending it into overtime. And then Stanford they took care of it in overtime. They took care of it in overtime and stopped Oregon from scoring. They 
were they got the only touchdown and Stanford won, keeping keeping their spot in the AP poll. They stay at number seven, and Oregon actually went up to nineteenth. They went up one. Uh, because there were a series of teams that lost, and that ultimately had an effect on their placing. And then some other games, some other things to mention. Mississippi State lost to Kentucky 28-7. to TCU lost to Texas uh, 31-16. to Boston College lost to Purdue 30-13. to Oklahoma State lost to Texas Tech 41-17. to and then some other teams did what they needed to do. Washington won against Arizona State. Wisconsin beat Iowa. And BYU beat McNeese State. Miami beat Florida International. West Virginia beat Kansas State. Michigan beat Nebraska. And Notre Dame beat Wake Forest. But those losses for those teams, they had an effect on the AP poll. There were a few that dropped out. TCU dropped out of the polls. Texas and Texas A&M dropped out of the polls. Oklahoma State dropped out of the polls. Virginia Tech dropped out of the polls. And the teams that replaced them, Texas Tech and California jumped to 25 and 24. Duke jumps to 22. And Texas and Kentucky jumped to 18 and 17 as they proved that they were proved that they were able to beat these ranked teams. Texas beating number 16 jumped to 18 with a three and one record and Kentucky four and oh, and that's four and oh, as an sec team, they jumped to 17 with a significant win against number 14, Mississippi state and some key movers in the polls. As I said, LSU and Oklahoma swap places, Stanford, Notre Dame stay the same Penn state jumps one with a big win against Illinois earlier in the week on Friday, Auburn drops one. They won, but it was ultimately Penn state's game that, moved them ahead and moved Auburn back. Washington shared number 10 with Penn State. They dropped to 11. West Virginia stays the same. UCF out of the American Athletic Conference goes from 16 to 13 as Mackenzie Milton runs and passes for three touchdowns each, three through the air and three on the ground for a total of six. And he guides them to 13. Michigan jumps from 19 to 14. And then Wisconsin they were number five, lost to BYU, which really had a toll on their season. They go up to 15. Miami is up to 16 from 21. Uh, BYU goes from 25 to 20. Michigan State goes from 24 to 21. And Mississippi State stayed in the rankings, but they are at 23. So their season isn't entirely over. They still have a chance. They, they, play, a, they play conference games from now until the end of the season with one one game fit in there, not from the conference. <clears throat> okay, so we're about 35 minutes in. It's been it's been interesting. Definitely. This is my first time really doing podcasts like this. So I will definitely accept feedback. You can say it sucks. <laughs> uh, and I'll be totally okay with that. But the last thing I want to get into is one of my favorite players right now. He is under the radar, no doubt. Not a lot of, not a lot of players, uh, coaches, teams, fans looking at him just because he was a 
two-star athlete with no offers called on signing day to Hawaii. And yep, I am talking about Cole McDonald, who is the quarterback for the University of Hawaii right now. He has 20 touchdowns so far on the year through five games. So he's getting four, four a game. He's thrown for 1,700 yards. And he's only got one interception. And to me, that's that's really nice to see because Hawaii has been struggling over the past couple of years. They haven't been able to win. And this this takes takes the team back to early two thousand or late two thousands, about two thousand six, two thousand seven. They had Colt Brennan, Grant Graham Harrell. They had some some really good quarterbacks go through their program and Cole McDonald is really starting to look like one of those players that can really have an impact on this team and lead them, lead them through the season. They are four and one right now. They lost to army last week, um, but they took care of business today against Duquesne. Cole McDonald had another five touchdowns. So, as I said, 20 touchdowns, one interception, uh, 1,759 yards through the air. And then on the ground, he's also being able to run as well as pass 200 yards and two touchdowns on the ground through five games. And he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. He's not going to get a lot of praise from from anybody just because he's from Hawaii and they're not a major conference. But I just think it's worth noting the ability of him to to be able to throw the ball through the air so well. And um, got to point out a few key performances that I thought happened over the weekend. There were some good offensive performances, but there was a defensive performance that a lot of people would, would overlook just because it's not something a lot of people look at, especially me. I look at offense more than defense. There was a linebacker, for Oklahoma who had 28 tackles and that's you got to think if you're playing a team like army the only thing they're doing is running down your throat up the middle maybe a few sweeps with their with their running backs but so the same few people are going to tackle their running backs over and over and over again and this was evident it was a school record for Oklahoma this performance and it was Kenneth Murray, linebacker for Oklahoma. Um, it was an Oklahoma record and the most since NCAA began keeping stats on tackling in 2000. So props to him. He was able to uh, be able to be all over the field, make some tackles. Um, <clears throat> a lot of performances that need mentioned and have been mentioned already. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa for Alabama, again, five total touchdowns, 387 through the air, was very accurate. Dwayne Haskins, 21 of 24 for 304 yards and five touchdowns. He is really shocking because I remember remember watching JT Barrett over the years. He had his struggles. Dwayne Haskins just does not struggle, it seems. He's able to make beautiful passes right where they need to be. He's able to take control of the game, manage the game. And it's really cool to see. And that's why I think he could be the Heisman this year. If he continues to play how he plays, 
and Ohio State keeps winning, they he really has a chance. Will Greer, who is one of the front runners for the Heisman, had 356 through the air, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, two interceptions weren't so good, but he did he did throw through the air pretty well with the five touchdowns, able to beat Kansas State comfortably. Uh, some other performances, Blake Larusa mentioned that five touchdowns, uh, 500 total yards. Uh, Benny Snell was able to rush for 165 yards and four touchdowns, and he is one of the better running backs in the in the NCAA right now. He's at the top of the SEC in rushing, if I'm correct. I'm going to look at it real quick. But he's showing again how how this Kentucky team really is a contender. Um, and he, along with Terry Wilson, their quarterback as well, is throwing the ball pretty well. But, yes, Benny Snell at the top of the conference with 540 yards and seven touchdowns. He had a key game this this past this past week and miles sanders for penn state 200 yards and three touchdowns having to fill the shoes of saquon barkley is not something most running backs would want to do but he is proving that he can do it pretty well i mentioned mckenzie milton uh 306 through the air three touchdowns 81 yards on the ground three touchdowns had a very impressive game earlier on in this week and another and the last player i'll mention who had a key game was Ian Book for Notre Dame, 300 yards through the air, two touchdowns, 43 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. So five total touchdowns was able to take control of that game and beat Wake Forest. Wake Forest actually fired their defensive coordinator this week due to this, uh, due to this route, 56 to 27 final score. But Ian Book took over quarterback job for Brandon Winbush and it looks like looks like he's going to do pretty well may take the starting job that that's never a good thing when you're the starting quarterback and you lose your job but props to Ian Book for the game he had and I hope that he is able to continue his success I hope as college football fans you will root for him or if you're a Notre Dame fan you like Brandon Winbush you probably hate Ian Book and if you do uh, I can understand that as well and then the last last point, we're at about 42 minutes, so I'll wrap this up. Last thing I want to point out is some games that are going to be taking place in Week 5. We have a top 10 matchup between OSU, Ohio State, and Penn State. This game is going to be played at Beaver Stadium in Pennsylvania. This is the first, first key matchup for Penn State. They've been able to go through their opponents with ease. They've played Appalachian State, who took them into overtime. They routed Pittsburgh 51-6, Kent State 63-10, Illinois 63-24. So it's going to be interesting to see how Penn State can do against Ohio State and how Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders will do against Ohio State defense, which is struggling. They, They have shown some faults, and I think Penn State will be able to take advantage of that. But on the offensive side, Ohio State has a good quarterback, they got two good running backs and J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber who, who are going to make it a offensive heavy game. It's going to be a high-scoring game in my mind. And for me, 
I really, I think it's just going to come down to who has the ball last. It's going to be close the whole game, I think. And I think whoever has the ball at the end is going to win the game, which I think is going to be Ohio State. I think Ohio State will pull it off. It'll be close, but I think Dwayne Haskins, with the help of his two two great running backs, will be able to take take care of this game. And that's, there's a few other games. Stanford, Notre Dame, number seven and number eight, will play each other at Notre Dame Stadium in Indiana. Uh, Stanford just played Oregon and was able to come back and win that game. It was a close game. I think I think this one will be close as well. I think Stanford takes it though. I don't think Notre Dame I think Notre Dame has been ranked a little too highly for their for their level of play. They barely beat Michigan, barely beat Ball State, barely beat Vanderbilt. Each game was decided by eight points or fewer. They finally had a good game against Wake Forest, but I think Stanford is going to take care of business in that game. And then another battle of two ranked teams, BYU and Washington. I think that one's going to be a good game. I think BYU is going to keep it close because they were able to beat Wisconsin. And Washington, I feel like they've just been, I think they've been going through the season a little bit too carelessly. I don't know. I I, I look at Jake Browning. He's not having the season he had last year. He's he's playing well, definitely, but he's just not putting up that high of numbers. Uh, Miles Gaskin, the running back, who's been there for a while, he's playing well. But I think I think this game honestly could go to BYU. I think they can pull off the upset again. And then the last game of ranks ranked opponents is Oregon and California, and I think Oregon will take that game. They Nearly beat number seven Stanford last week, and I think that they will be wanting to bounce back in impressive fashion, and that would be the best way to show that. And then one more, one more game between two ranked teams: West Virginia and Texas Tech. Texas Tech surprised a lot of people by beating Oklahoma State this past week, and we'll see if they can do it again against another Big Ten or Big Twelve opponent in West Virginia. See. That will be a very high-scoring, pass-oriented game, passing-oriented oriented game. And I think it will just be another good week of college football. I hope you all tune in for at least one or two games this weekend. And I think that's going to be it. going to wrap it up here. This was a good test run. I'm learning what I need to do, how I need to go about this. Hope it was a good episode for you guys. I hope you tell your friends about it. Have them listen to it. And I will see you next week with another episode. It'll be out Monday or Tuesday. Whenever I release this one, uh, whether it is Monday, I'm recording it on a Monday. I'm hoping I can get it out today. Um, Next week, I'll try to record a little bit earlier. Definitely try to get it out on Monday. So you guys have something to listen to for the entire week. Something to listen to on your way to work, on your drive home, or if you're just listening to to fall asleep, that's okay too. I hope my voice is a little bit soothing and a little bit uh, calm to help you fall asleep. But I hope you liked it. And I will see you next week with some more analysis on the week of college football. Everybody take care of yourselves. Be safe. Have a good week, and I 
We'll talk to you again next Monday. See you later.